Good morning. Welcome to our online service today. Literally from our home to yours, we're sending our love. We are praying for you that you are safe, that you are healthy, and that you have what you need. If we can be of assistance, please do not hesitate to contact us. At the end of the service this morning, you'll see on the screen how you can get in touch with us. God bless you and enjoy the service today. Good morning, Evangel. I invite you to sing with me and worship with me. This song is a good reminder that no matter what is going on, God is faithful and He has a plan. See 
Good morning, church. Today's scripture is from 1 Corinthians 13. If you could speak all the languages of the earth and of all angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all of God's secrets, plans, and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put up with my childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. Three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Good morning, EPC Church family. I hope and pray that you're all doing well during this time of extended isolation. And I just want to say thank you, Tyler, for leading us in worship this morning, and thank you, Esther, for reading our scripture. This morning, I want to talk to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. This passage of scripture, if you've never read it before, is a passage solely focused on one topic and one topic only, love. But it's not just about love. It's it's about love. You know what I mean? See, there was one time when Esther and I were in our first year of marriage, and over the Christmas season, we would go to her parents' house along with her other six siblings and their spouses for a few days. So it was a packed, packed home for a few days. 
And one evening that year, uh, we decided to put on a movie to watch as a family, and that movie was Crocodile Dundee. See, Crocodile Dundee starts out the film as a hero in the outback of Australia and ends up visiting New York City for the very first time. And as he's visiting New York, he gets cornered by some people who are trying to mug him. But when Crocodile Dundee tries to resist the muggers, one pulls out a knife and threatens him unless he gives him his wallet. Of course, Crocodile Dundee isn't shaken in the least and very calmly reaches behind his back while saying, that's not a knife, this is a knife. And all of a sudden he produces this like machete-like weapon completely, almost seemingly out of nowhere. And as I read 1 Corinthians 13, I imagine Paul being very Crocodile Dundee-like by summarizing this chapter as him saying, that's not love. This is love. And I think that is very important for us to understand this morning, the meaning of the word love that Paul is using, the sense that it's being used in. See, love has many different meanings in the English language, but nowadays we mostly use it to describe an emotion. Paul, however, was writing in Greek, not English, and Greek is richer when it comes to words for love. See, there's eros, which refers to romantic love. There's phileo, which in Greek, its meaning is close to what we would define as friendship. There's sturgo, sturgo rather, which is a love of something familiar, the love we have for family members or people we've known all our lives. But Paul doesn't use any of those words. Instead, he uses the word agape, and it doesn't describe an emotion at all. Agape isn't based on affection or approval. It's totally unconditional, coming as a free gift, not because the beloved deserves it, but because the lover chooses to give it. It's a decision of the spirit to act in the other person's best interests, whether we feel like it or not. It's getting down at the supper table and washing your disciples' feet. It's being willing to lay down your life to save people who don't even care about you and who may have even put you there in the first place. It's a love that we reflected on last weekend, Easter weekend, when Jesus went to the cross, when we celebrated the fact that we were set free by that sacrifice. It's the way that God loves us unconditionally. And it is the way God calls us to love those we encounter in our lifetime. So my first point this morning is this. Love is foundational. If we reread verses 1 to 3 of our chapter today, it says this. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. So we often quote 1 Corinthians 13 as if it is an all-purpose description of love. We use it for weddings, for marriage counseling, close friendships, and so on. And while the principles in this chapter can be used universally to apply to those situations, Paul originally wrote them to address a specific scenario. Paul was addressing the appropriate use of our spiritual gifts. See, the Corinthian church was divided on a whole bunch of issues, and within these chapters surrounding ours this morning, he reminds the Christians in Corinth that the purpose of all publicly used gifts is to build up the body of Christ. But in order for us to use our gifts in such a way, he reveals that love must be 
the key to using our gifts in such a way that honors his church. So Paul delves into this whole truth that love must be the foundation for our use of the gifts that God has given us in order to build up the church. If love isn't there, then it doesn't matter what we think of doing, what we desire to do, or what actions we end up taking. It's all for nothing if love isn't the foundation. In fact, Paul likens it to being uh, like the sound of a clanging cymbal. I mean, just imagine if every time we did something or said something where love wasn't at the core of our message, all anyone would hear is noise. If I was here speaking to you as God has called me to do without love in my heart for God and for people, then my efforts in using my gifts to build up the church would be as ineffective as if I were to go to a set of drums and just play them as if I knew how. See, we can speak powerfully convincing words. We can act in ways that help those in need, but only love can reach the hearts of those around us. Love must be the foundation. My second point this morning is that love is reflective. You see, if we move on to our next section of 1 Corinthians 13 this morning, it reads, love is patient. And I want to stop right here just for, just for one moment because I find there's something that just catches my attention about this line in particular that I think is absolutely so beautiful about God. When asked, the very first thing Paul described about love is that it is patient. Now, I don't take this to mean that patience is the greatest quality of love, but it is the first thing Paul chooses to mention in working towards an understanding of this kind of love within the Corinthian church. And it just it's such an interesting example to me, personally. See, the term patience has just a varied usage in our culture. For example, putting up with a generally annoying person can be a test of patience. Not losing our temper when we're stuck in traffic can be a test of patience. And trust me, you never want to be the person in front of me in a Starbucks parking lot ordering drinks for yourself, your spouse, your 13 friends, your boss, and that one teacher from college that you're still in contact with, all of whom are ordering a venti, half whole milk, one quarter, one percent, one quarter, non-fat, extra hot split, quad shots, no foam latte with whipped cream, two packets of Splenda, one sugar, a touch of vanilla syrup, and three short sprinkles of cinnamon, all of which is actually a real drink at Starbucks and is in fact the hardest drink to make. Whew, had to take breath after that one. But patience applies to the long term as well. Working towards that degree, financial investing, family planning. But I can't help but imagine Paul had a specific meaning in mind when he said this. And the, and the King James translation gives us a little more linguistic help when it says charity suffers long. See, as a Jew, Paul understood long-suffering love as one of God's most fundamental character traits. In Exodus 34, 6, it reads, For when God revealed his glory to Moses on the mountain, he proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. See, God, who is love, suffers long with his children because to have a love that suffers long means to be slow to anger. And that's why those who are born of God and know God are also called to have a long-suffering love with those around us. This is why the first descriptive Paul uses for love is patience. He's not referring to patience with inconveniences or patience in the midst of affliction. Paul is referring to patience towards people. See, when it comes to people, patience, it, it can be difficult to say the least. 
And patience towards people has to be a long-suffering patience. See, God is calling us to love the people he has placed in our lives because they are placed there for a reason, even though some of them may be doing things that are wrong, that are hurtful. This patient love isn't permissive, don't get me wrong. It doesn't tolerate sin or injustice because God doesn't tolerate sin in our lives that take us further away from his love. But we work with those who who we must be patient for, remembering that, as we're about to explore, love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes and endures all things. And that love never ends. The love that never ends is a love that suffers long. So to continue with our study, in our passage this morning, it continues. It says, love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. It has been both wonderful and challenging for me to study this chapter for the past uh, little while. See, doing so has made me realize how much I do weekly, daily, that isn't motivated by love first. It has caused me to pray that God will remind me to love each person I encounter and to seek up, uh, to seek to build up rather individuals and the body of Christ with my words, my giftings. But I know there are times where I fall short and must take time to reflect on where I need to improve. I can't love perfectly. But here's the thing. God can and does love in every single way listed here. In reading over all the characteristics of love that are listed in this chapter, it is important to note that all of them are very true to God's character. Every description of love in this chapter is applicable to the character of our Heavenly Father. See, it's all right that we ourselves fail to always love in this way as long as we continue in pursuit of the one who does. See, agape love should invite us to reflect on how well we love, but it should always point us to the one who loves perfectly, because we can't do it on our own. Which brings us to our last point this morning, and that is love is eternal. Verses 8 to 13 of our passage says, But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully. Even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So what we have discussed so far all comes down to this. Paul plainly puts out there that for us, uh, that love is essential to the life of the church and for your lives individually. He's described what love is and what love does. And he closes off this chapter telling us that love is the only thing that will last forever. It's a triumphant note of victory. The greatest of these is love. See, the Corinthian church was very focused 
on the gifts. Very proud of them. They were a very gifted, very talented people. They had many gifts that they took pride in. What Paul is trying to do is put everything within the right perspective for the believers in Corinth. He started this chapter by saying, without love, you have nothing. Now he brings these gifts, tongues, prophecy, knowledge to the forefront again, but this time explains how these things will eventually fade away while love will remain eternal. How will they fade? As verse 10 says, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. What gifts we have now are only in part because we are in the period of waiting until completeness arrives. That's when Jesus comes again. And so without love, we really don't have these gifts, but even while those gifts we have are in part and will fade away, love will last eternally. Paul closes with such a beautiful sentence. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Throughout the New Testament, you can find these three words together various times. For example, Romans 5, 1-5 says this, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Other instances in Scripture where these three characteristics can be found is in uh, Colossians 1, verses 4 to 5, and 1 Thessalonians verse one, uh, chapter 1, rather, verse 3. The point is, though, all three of these are incredibly, incredibly important aspects of the life of a believer, and Scripture supports this. So what is faith? Faith is complete trust in someone or something that leads to action. What is hope? Hope is confidence in the future. And these three are put together so often because faith and hope are related to love. You cannot separate them. See, faith possesses the past by laying hold upon Calvary and making it real in our lives. Hope claims the future and looks beyond into the coming glory of God. And love, love dominates my life right now. This is a description of the life of a follower of Jesus. Faith says Jesus Christ came to save me. To save us. Hope says he is coming again to take us to be with him. And love says he abides in our hearts today. But Paul says the greatest of these is love. He doesn't say it is more durable or will last longer, but that it is greater. You see, not only is, great, is it greater than those things which will pass, but it is greater than all the, any, any of those things that will remain. Why? See, love is the greatest because it will continue in eternity. When we are in heaven, faith and hope will have completed their mission. We won't need faith when we see God face to face. We won't need hope in the coming of Jesus once he is here, once he comes. But we will always love the Lord and each other, and we will grow in that love. Love is also the greatest because it is an attribute of God, and faith and hope are not part of God's character and personality. God does not have faith in the way we have faith because he never has to trust outside of himself. God does not have hope the way we have hope, because he knows all things and is in complete control. But God is love, and he will always be love. So if you're taking notes this morning, 
Here's a quick reiteration of the three points we discussed before we closed off. Love is foundational. As Paul writes, we can have all these gifts and use them in our attempts to build up the church and each other. But if we don't have love, then it is all for nothing. We can speak powerfully convincing words. We can act in ways that uh, can help those in need. But only love can reach the hearts of those around us. Agape love must be the foundation if we hope to have any effect at all in building up the body of Christ, the church. The second point this morning is love is reflective. This kind of love that Paul writes to us today invites us to reflect on where we are at in our own lives and how we are called to love in this way. While we are to reflect, we are also called to set our sights on the one who loves perfectly because we can't do it on our own. We are called to live in constant pursuit of God because God is love. And by pursuing Christ-likeness in this sense, we will become more like him in the way we love those around us and within the church. The third and final point this morning is love is eternal. As you know, there was a focus in this chapter on gifts and how without love, the gifts are ineffective. And so now when we come to the conclusion that these gifts will eventually fade away when Jesus comes again. However, as those gifts fade, faith, hope, and love will last forever. Paul ends off this chapter on a note of victory, declaring that the greatest of these is love. All three are important to living a victorious life. Faith says Jesus Christ came to save us. Hope says he is coming to take us to be with him again. But the greatest of these is love, and love abides in our hearts today. Now, why is it the greatest? Because God is love, and love is the goal. In closing, as Paul begins the next chapter of 1 Corinthians 14, he says, follow the way of love. That means to practice it daily, to make it the foundation of your words and your actions. It is the goal we must live in continuous pursuit of, and as a result, be in continuous growth because we can't do it perfectly by ourselves. We need to look to the one who first loved perfectly, who is love. And when the time comes and we reach eternity, God's love, the kind of love that we are called to live out, is what will remain. Oh, the battle, it rages.
rest in your arms of love. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, I thank you that you are love and that you have loved us from the beginning. God, I thank you that it is by this love that we are set free. God, that we can come to you and we can be in relationship with you. And God, that we are called to love those around us the exact same way, unconditionally. So God, I pray that uh, this Sunday morning we, we have a new, a fresh experience of your love for us, a fresh understanding. And God, that as we go about the rest of our weeks ahead of us, that we go with the purpose, with the mission of loving others the way you have loved us. We love you, God. We give you all the praise and all the glory in your name. Amen. God bless, church. Have a wonderful Sunday afternoon.